Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, we want to thank everybody for listening, joining us for Sober October. And uh, we want to thank all of our guests being so brave and kind to get on here and share their stories. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's their, I mean, their addiction stories, right? So, I mean, and, and Tony, I've really never asked our listeners, but, you know, we're going to, we're going to plead with you to, uh, to share this podcast with, with, you know, any, anyone really, because, you know, you never know who, who needs to hear um, these stories. Um, we've also left a couple web links in our podcast descriptions. Um, it's just a couple organizations that can help with addiction. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey, and of course, I'm with my bud, Tony. What's up, Tony? Hey, buddy, what's up, man? We, uh, we're still in the month of October here for Sober October. Yeah. And, uh, you know, our guest today is, uh, someone who I, you know, she said that she didn't really speak openly out about her recovery. And, mm-hmm. uh, so we're looking forward to, uh, you know, maybe, uh, her story reaching out and touching somebody's, uh, soul and spirit yeah. that, that, you know, just needs to hear what she has to say. Absolutely. I mean, and, and even just to kind of, I want to talk a little bit about sober October and, and, and what we're up to. And, um, you know, I just, we, we, I don't know if our industry's ever really addressed it. You know, I don't know if I've ever heard it or anything. And, and I just want to encourage people that um, if they, it, when they listen to these podcasts, if they can just share it with anybody, because you don't, you just never know who might need to hear it. And, you know, I don't necessarily know if, if, if this month is for our entire industry, but I'm sure it's for the one or two people that need to hear it. So, you know, again, if you're listening and you, you, you kind of dig or up to, or, or you kind of think it can make a difference, you know, certainly, certainly share um, this month with, with, with people. Absolutely. Well, another great, uh, podcast, uh, about to come up and, uh, let's, uh, let's just jump just, into it. Jump into it. Yeah. Okay. So, so today our guest is Amber O'Hare and she's the co-founder of the business of Balayage. I'm sure they're huge. So I'm sure you guys have, um, have heard about it. So, um, I mean, let's just get in. Miss Amber O'Hare, welcome to your day off. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you guys and talk about something that's very dear to me and uh, very, very special. So thank you for inviting me. I mean, you know, we should be thanking you because, you know, this is. Yeah, it's it's a tough subject for a lot of people to talk about, especially when it's about themselves. Right. Yeah. So but before we get into uh, into that story, give us a quick run through of. you know, who you are, where you grew up, and how you found this great industry. Okay, cool. So I uh, grew up in Southern California. I grew up actually in the industry. I have a lot of cousins and aunts and uncles that have owned salons and famous colorists, owned beauty schools. 
So when I was about 16 and I had been to four different high schools and I knew that school was not for me, I talked my mom into letting me go to beauty school and got my proficiency, which is the equivalency to the GED when you're under 18 out here in California and went straight to beauty school. So, so, after, so after beauty school, what did you end up in a salon like right away or what that look like? Yeah. I wound up, I went to beauty school in Pasadena and I wound up while I was in beauty school working at a salon in Hollywood, uh, first Beverly Hills and then Hollywood. I assisted there for about a year and a half. Um, I quickly realized that that wasn't the scene for me. I obviously liked the partying aspect of it, <laughs> but I knew that I wanted to build a clientele that was a little more stable um, and get out of kind of that celebrity scene. My boss did a lot of that. So um, I assisted there for about a year and a half and then moved to Orange County and started to build my clientele. So you're still in Orange County now? So I do own a salon in Orange County, but I live in Los Angeles, so I commute. So I'm kind of all over. <laughs> what's the, what's the name of your salon around yeah. County? My salon is Golden Bridge Salon. Oh, nice. Golden yeah. Bridge, you said yeah. Bridge. Golden Braid. Oh, like Golden a hair Braid. Braid. Silly. Yes. Yeah. So um, I bought it about a year ago with my salon partner, and the name already existed. We bought it from an owner who uh, was just unable to carry on the salon, but she loved it. So we felt like as a tribute to her, we would keep the name just oh, out of respect for what she had built and what she had done. It's been awesome. She still works there. She's amazing. Really, really grateful for her. She's walked us through a lot of stuff. So yeah. It's nice to have, right? You know, like someone you can talk to, just talk through things, oh, you, you know, that's amazing. Totally. How, long, totally. how long, how long have you, um, how many years do you have in behind the chair? Behind the chair, I have been um, almost 21 years. Good work. Behind the chair. Yeah. And two so kids. So it started with, right? yeah, two kids. I have um, married. I have a husband. We will celebrate our 10-year anniversary next month. And two kids. My son is six. His name is Cash. And my daughter is three. Her name is Parker. Oh, I... I, I we can talk about the name Cash, but that's gonna that's that's gonna take us way off topic. <laughs> All right, so, so Corey has a big tattoo of Johnny Cash. Big fan oh, there you go. There yeah, you totally go. Does. We love we love Johnny Cash. <laughs> um, so I mean, you know, here we are in sober October. We kind of uh, we know why you why you're here or you yeah. know, why you're doing the podcast. Like, where does that part of your story? Where does uh where does that begin? So. It's interesting, and this was really good timing, too, because I just celebrated my 16th sober birthday on September 8th. I got Thank you. I got sober two weeks after my 21st birthday, which I just thought was unbearable. <laughs> but here <laughs> I am, 16 years later. <laughs> and for me, you know, I think kind of, uh, growing up in an alcoholic family where my family was just kind of riddled with the disease. There's not really anybody in my family, immediate family that I could say has not had substance abuse or alcohol issues. Mm-hmm. So, um, and growing up, I told myself I would never do be like them. And then I quickly saw as life became a little bit more and more unbearable as far as, you know, trying to work 
just the basic functions of life were really difficult for me. And so I used alcohol regularly to, to get through that stuff. So that's kind of when I started to realize there was a problem. So what, yeah, what are those, I mean, what kind of problems were, when did you kind of feel like you were losing control or what that looked like? So I, I never really had control. I do like to be really clear about that. I know a lot of people talk about in their drinking that they had a lot of good times. I really didn't. Drinking for me was really a way to survive and function. Um, I was pretty much always from my very first drink, a blackout drinker. And uh, would get myself in these very uncomfortable, dangerous situations. So for me, I, I definitely had that underlying sense that there was a problem. Alcoholism was talked about in my family very openly. That like I was reminded that my grandparents were alcoholics, and I actually was raised in um, a twelve-step program because um, my dad and stepmom were sober. So it was always something that was in the back of my head, but I was still trying to convince everybody else that I was fine, that I could drink normally. And this wasn't going to happen to me, right? So were, yes, you trying to exactly. hide it? were you trying to hide that portion of your life no, around you? No. Luckily for me, my family is so dysfunctional that there wasn't really much necessity for me to hide it. There was always somebody more dysfunctional than me, so I got to kind of like be in the background. She got a pass. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I yeah. got a pass. <laughs> I was the least worst of the alcoholics. <laughs> yeah. um, but I did, the people that weren't in my family definitely noticed it. That boss that I talked about when I was 16, my first salon job was sober, and she did see the signs of my drinking at a very, you know, early stage. I did start drinking. I was about 12 when I started drinking. Wow. Yeah. So, um, at 12, it was blackout. Um, yeah. Yeah. So definitely um, drank to excess from the very beginning. So even your first boss, um, who you said was sober, did she, uh, did she try to help you along or call you out or, or did she make it aware to be careful? She did, actually. She was really, really supportive. And I've since, uh, you know, she's asked me to speak at meetings that she's the secretary of, and we have a very good relationship. But at the time, yeah, she actually paid me, um, she paid for me to go to therapy with this sober alcoholic in the area who was a very well-known um, drug and alcohol counselor. And the contract was that I wasn't allowed to do um, any like substance as long as I didn't do that. Well, obviously I couldn't do that. So I got kicked out of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was more than just alcohol then. Were there other substances that you were using? There were other substances. Yeah. And so the salon owner that, that paid for the therapy did, obviously she cared a lot about you. What, what was her reaction to you being kicked out? I think, you know, she was very loving and she definitely understood that I was young and that I had not hit a bottom and I wasn't ready for help. Um, so I, she never shamed me or, you know, guilted me or anything like that. She just kind of let it go. Wow. That's like, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I don't even, I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So. I guess at that point you just, you see somebody and, and I guess you, she's been there, done that. And she knows that mm-hmm. I'm willing to, to take, take it seriously. Now she's going to have to maybe hit rock bottom or maybe hit her where she, that wall that, that's going to wake her up to realize that she needs it. Right. What, yeah, um, definitely. what was your bottom or how long did that take or? Yeah, so my bottom was nothing, like, magnificent. I just mm-hmm. had one more night of drinking and another blackout and came to in the morning and just really had that emotional and spiritual bottom. And there's, you know, there's something that, like, my recovery friends talk about and we read about, and it's that jumping off place where you can find or you're going to find yourself in a position where you you can't live with or without alcohol. And I had hit that place and I couldn't, we were going to brunch in the morning and everybody was just ordering breakfast and I couldn't imagine not ordering a drink and I couldn't imagine drinking. So I definitely hit that jumping off place. Uh, for at, um, You know, we, I just had a, an incredible experience this weekend. My daughter just got married. Um, Wow. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. But I remember her being at college and my fear of her partying and passing out. Cause you hear so many nightmare stories of, of, you know, especially young girls uh, being taken advantage or, or whatever, you know what mm. I mean? When they pass yeah. out or, you know what I mean? Cause uh, it just, it's such a, it was such a scary thing for a father to, to think about or to, you know what I mean? Just every night. Yeah. But, when you hear these stories about young girls passing out, you know what I mean? That it's it's so yeah. scary for a father, right? And it's definitely so another scary. just another element. And thank God that uh you, you were able to, you know, say, you know what, <laughs> this is my last time I'm gonna pass out because uh, you know, you said yourself that you put yourself in so many dangerous situations, because uh, you you know, yeah. you, you have no control. You have no idea what's happening to you until the next day. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. And I just remember, I mean, I I would wake up with bruises all over my arms from people holding me up. I had slipped and chipped a bone in my leg and came to Mm. with like a tennis ball size, you know, uh, injury on my shin. You know, so many things like that, that I tried to laugh it off with my friends. Oh, wasn't that funny? So what did did we do last night? And then, you know, it was like trying to piece this stuff together, but make it like a really funny thing, like that it was very funny that I had blacked out. And then it got harder and harder to make light of what was going on. Right. So at that brunch, it was kind of your, you know, I guess awakening, we can call it, or you said the jump off point. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it was definitely the jumping off point. And I, I had a friend that was sober. I actually had a, quite a few friends that had gotten sober very young. And I just thought that that was dreadful. I couldn't even believe that they would do that. <laughs> and I called this one in particular and told him I needed help. And he um, gave me some direction on what to do and where to go. And luckily, I felt like I was blessed with that gift of desperation and willingness. I was desperate enough to be willing to do what was suggested to try and live a different life. Did it, did it ever affect your job? Did you, did it ever affect, uh, you know, you going to work and your clientele and. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm so glad you guys asked about that. So I had, it definitely affected my job. I was fired from my favorite job ever. 
<clears throat> this was as a stylist. And he basically just told me he couldn't do it anymore. My behavior was erratic. I would do things like leave for the day and leave the back door wide open. I put the salon at risk in a lot of different ways. And he fired me and I just remember packing my stuff and just sobbing. I just, you know, I knew that this was like more of just me losing my job. It was losing some dignity, losing some self-respect and, and kind of spiraling down to my bottom. So I went, and worked at a salon that um, the owner likes to drink like me. And, um, and that way, you know, I wasn't accountable for my actions or my behavior because I just, I drink like the owner did. So it was no big deal. Right. Uh, obviously you had somebody in your life now that encouraged it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. Subconsciously she probably was looking for that too. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so then you, you, it, well, let's back up. Was it, so your friend, did he, was it a 12 step program that he kind of, that they kind of recommended or was it like a spiritual kind of thing? Yeah. Like where, where, where did you end up? Yeah, it was a 12 step program and um, I'm still active in that 12 step program, but yeah, that's where I wound up. He unfortunately um, is not sober anymore. But I, you know, text him every year on my birthday and thank him for directing me to where I needed to be and, um, and showing me what I needed for my life. I definitely don't think that a 12-step program corners the market on sobriety. I believe there's so many different ways you can get sober. I, unfortunately, had tried a lot of those different ways. I had tried, like, the church route. I had tried the spiritual um, you know, meditation route. I had tried a few different things. And I think, unfortunately, um, given how far I had gone in my bottom, for me, it took a 12-step program. And now I continue because I, I don't want to, you know, get mine and then leave. So I stay for the people that are coming in like me so that I can share my story and hopefully be a light to them. That's beautiful. That is beautiful, isn't it? Yep. Wow. We'll get into the uh, successes of that. I, I want to talk more about that, but I'm going to go a little bit back uh, into, uh, you know, into your bottom. When, yeah. when, when you decided, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Were you still at that salon where the owner uh, liked to party as much as you did, like to drink? Or were, did you already know that? Oh, you were. I was at that salon uh, a couple weeks before I got sober. I did call her from the bar when I was drinking because somebody told me that I was going to get fired. So I did call her drunk and said, what the, what you think are you doing? You think you're going to fire me? La, 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 la. <laughs> so I was definitely on thin ice. I was a fan of drinking on the job. I would start a highlight. I'd get halfway through. I'd go sit in the back have a couple of drinks, come back out, finish it. Wow. So I definitely uh, drank during the day and on the job we served alcohol and it's just, I just thought it was there for me. So that's what I did. And So she was um, going to party you because you, you drank more than she did or you partied harder than she did? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even remember to be honest. And I mean, it could have been like totally untrue, but in my like drunken, you know, super somebody at this local bar told me that and so i i took right. it to be true and call, i mean it was like midnight i'm calling my boss to yell at her because i hear i'm getting fired like just the insanity is <laughs> so funny now it's, now yeah. <laughs> well, that you made yeah. it i think it's a one right so what uh, yeah. so 
So were, were, were you a belligerent drunk or, or, or were you the party girl or, or what did that look like for you? She was blackout. <laughs> she was the blackout. Yeah, I was, I was just blackout. I was most happy when I was drinking. I was incredibly uncomfortable between drinks. I wasn't like belligerent and fighting and crazy. I just wanted to drink and, I, and my goal was to check out. So if I did blackout, I wasn't like afraid of it wow. until the next morning. Until you had to start yeah. answering questions, right? Or asking questions yeah. at that point. Yeah, either one. <laughs> yeah. So did you did, did you ever um the first boss that uh that that fired you, did you uh did you ever make amends? Well, this is probably my favorite story um in my sobriety. I did have a chance to make amends. I was going through the steps. I did um work on my amend step, which is to try and repair the damage I had done from my drinking. And I was working out and I saw that old boss walk in front of me on the treadmill and I thought, oh yeah, I owe him an amend. But you know what? I'm not going to do that. I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to do that. And seconds later, someone tapped me on the shoulder and it was a friend from my 12-step program and just said hey what's going on and I just felt like okay you know what if that's not a sign I don't know what is so I told you know this friend oh I just saw my old boss and I owe the men but I don't want to do it you know too uncomfortable and he just said well what better time than now so I went and followed him outside the gym and I made that amends and I was direct and, you know, told him that my drinking got in the way of, you know, how much respect I had for him and his business and I cared about him and I was very grateful for the opportunities and he welcomed it. He was really incredible. And then about six months later, when I was getting ready to leave my job that I stayed at for the first six months of my sobriety, where that box was drinking and um, that behavior was acceptable, I called him and said, hey, I'm looking for a place. You know, I don't know if you would ever take me back, but, you know, I am still sober and this is why I'm leaving and blah, blah, blah. So he took me back and I was there for um, 12 years. That's, pretty an cool. that's an incredible, incredible story. Wow. Yeah. And both yeah. Sides, Very grateful. Both sides, you know what I mean? Like, like he had to swallow a lot too, right? Yeah. Like, like he had to. Yeah. 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 That's, you know, that's a big risk. That's a big gamble on his part, right? Mm -hmm. to, but you, what, did you yeah. say he was sober? You know what? He wasn't sober, but his best friend and his best friend's wife are, and uh -huh. are drug and alcohol counselors and have become very, um, like respected friends of mine. So he did definitely understand the disease and, um, and that there was recovery from it. That, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's almost as if he was put on your life on purpose, right? It was almost like yes. he was put in your life to fire you. And then, you know, yep. also put in your life to, uh, to, to open his arms um, wide for you again. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. Amazing. And I do like to say that was kind of, you know, being there for 12 years was like my get sober job. It's like all, you know, my friends know there that I'm sober. They had seen me before. They had seen me drinking. They had seen me sober. They're very supportive of me. And, um, and I was able just to, you know, work there and kind of change my life completely from the person I was. And then when it was time for me to move on, um, I got to do that with, you know, dignity and respect for him and respect for the salon and, and all my friends there. So it was very cool. 
you know, you brought something up that I that that I, we haven't talked about um, this month, but um, I certainly, if you have, you know, opinion about it, but it's amazing how, and, and I think a lot of times before people get sober is that that they're scared of how people are going to react to them, and it's amazing yeah. how powerful. Um, once somebody takes that stand, how the entire community and not just the sober community, but how like everybody is kind of kind of respects that and 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 wishes you well through that, even if they're not sober themselves. Did have you experienced that? Yeah, I definitely have. Um, you know, I talked to you guys about how I don't openly. It's not like a day to day conversation for me. My sobriety. Um, mm-hmm. It's more, you know, I'll definitely put it out there when I have a sober anniversary. Obviously, I'm active in a 12-step program, so my sober friends obviously know that I'm sober. But it's not, you know, when I'm behind the chair, my topic of discussion is not sobriety because it's not about me. It's about my clients. But when it does come up, um, I do get a lot of support because I really feel like, you know, it's the words interchangeable, like alcohol, drugs, food, relationships, money, depression, anxiety, like everybody I know has some type of struggle and I just, it's it's a little bit of that acknowledgement of like, I get it. I see you. I know life is hard. I know you're struggling with this and I know that there's a way out and I hope that you find it. So, um, for me, I do feel like I get a lot of support. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, And obviously when you went back to that salon for 12 years, I mean, he, uh, you know what I mean? Having the connections that he had, I mean, you were surrounded by support the whole time, which is great. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Let's, <laughs> I, I'll tell you, like, I don't want to say it was, well, just something that we've, that, that I've encountered. And, and again, mm-hmm. I, I haven't drank since uh, 99, but I certainly know like over like at Christmas time and stuff, when, when, when your clients are bringing in gifts and, uh, you know, for, for, for many years. And even to this day, you know, I, I, I still get bottles of champagne or <laughs> bottles of, uh, <laughs> stuff, you know? yeah. have, you, have you encountered that? I get it often. And I do just, I just think it's so funny. So I just say, thank you so much. That's so thoughtful. And then I give it to somebody else. Um, (laughs) but what's so funny is then so like the last few years I will post that like it's my sober anniversary on my social media pages or whatever and I think of the clients that follow me that bring me (laughs) I wonder if they're reading this if they're kicking themselves (laughs) so yeah it's pretty it's pretty funny <laughs> that is pretty. I never even thought about that, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I certainly know it's something that I've encountered. And and you know, for years, you know, it was like I was the best person to invite for Christmas because I always <laughs> I always had a bunch of booze to bring that I wasn't going <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. to. Uh, yeah, back okay. back to the twelve step that you that you're you're staying with to be that yeah. link to uh, others that are coming in. I mean, that's to me that's you know, you're, it's not about you anymore. It's about other people. And that's one of the things that, uh, I think attracts Corey and I to a lot of, uh, people in our industry is that, you know, we talk to a lot of people and a lot of people who, um, are, are doing things to, to help the industry or help other people to support it. Right. Yeah. And, but you know, and that doesn't have to do with our industry, but that has to do with you. I mean, you, you care enough about other people to stay there to to make sure that you know you can be that light for them. That's that's pretty incredible. So tell us a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, just being there for other people, I still, I just go to my meetings regularly and, um, and just, um, basically welcoming to women that come in that are going through the same problems and feel like that there's, there's not a way out. Mm-hmm. And, um, at this point in my life, because I have small kids, I can't do as much as I used to, but for the first seven years I was sober, I volunteered at a non-medical detox every week. Wow. That was super powerful and just such a reminder of how lucky I am to be sober and to not be in the grips of that way of living and way of thinking. And now with kids and husbands and businesses and all this stuff, it's a little harder for me to volunteer in that capacity. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's just being in the meetings, sharing my experience, strength and hope and, um, and, you know, just hoping that I can be an example for somebody else or just give them that little, I just remember being new and feeling so afraid and so hopeless and somebody would share that they have improved, that their life has gotten better. And it was just that little bit of hope that kept me going that, okay, maybe that could be me too. So for me at this point in my life with everything being so busy, that's what I do. I just go to my meetings, I share my story and hope that I can be there for somebody else. Have you seen a young Amber in your salon? Um, that's such a good question. Not in my salon. I've definitely, uh, a few years traveling and teaching thousands of hairdressers. So I've experienced it in class. I had an unfortunate situation a couple years ago where a student showed up and was visibly um, intoxicated and high. Mm-hmm. And then later disputed the charges on, on her credit card because she said that she wasn't there. Mm. And then fast forward a year later, she came to another one of my classes, which was at a big summit that I was teaching at and tried to act like she hadn't met me before. And so I was just really, I mean, I don't care about the money, the ticket, the whatever. It's like my concern is for her. She's clearly struggling. And then months later, she came and got her hair done at my salon. So it's this interesting kind of like, I feel like our paths have crossed for a reason. And so every time I see her, I just try to use it as an opportunity to be loving and open and just kind of open that conversation. About, about, about your own sobriety? Is that the conversation you open with? Not, not even about sobriety, just about, I mean, I asked her about where she's working. She's, you know, a student, so, mm-hmm. um, or re- she's a recent graduate. So I asked her about where she's working, what's going on in her life, just kind of open up a conversation in general. For me, I don't come right out the gate and say, oh, yeah, I'm sober. I struggled with that, too. I'm like, let's build a connection first, and then maybe when you're struggling, you'll reach out. Yeah. Plant seeds. Yeah. Yeah. Planting seeds or, I mean, I'm kind of, yeah, exactly. Maybe this is the one person in your life that has to hear that though. Well, you know, that's true. There is definitely, there's definitely that, but it's been an interesting thing to watch. So, but as far as my salon, we, I have a lot of like established stylists um, that are married or, you know, settled with kids and they're just busy, hardworking stylists. We don't, there's not a lot of partying. It's it's a very like driven kind of culture we have, which is awesome. That's cool. Do you guys serve alcohol at the, at the salon? We don't, um, we don't, I'm not opposed to it. 
but I'm also not um, 100% on board. So we, there's a couple stylists that wanted us to do it. And then we actually checked with the city and we would have to carry a special permit, which is thousands of dollars. And um, we were just like, we're not willing to do that. If it were an easy thing and we just had, you know, some beer and wine there, I'm totally fine. I have no problem with anybody else drinking. I have a problem with me drinking. (laughs) 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 So, no, I'm good. I'm good with it. (laughs) Is your your husband sober or does he drink? My husband's sober. Um, Yeah, he has been sober for um, a couple months than me, but a, a little over 16 years. Oh, awesome. Did you guys meet in the program? Yeah. We did. Um, I don't share this story very often, but we did. He uh, went through treatment with my dad. And um, they became very good friends. And he started working for my dad's company and uh, for years. And then my dad kept trying to set me up with him and I was like, no, that's weird. That's your friend. What are you doing? <laughs> he's obviously a lot younger than my dad. He's only a few years older than me. And then finally one time he's like, you should really go out with him. And so I'm like, okay, fine. And I'll give him my number. And then that was it. The rest is history. You know, yep. that we resist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. No. And I'm so lucky. He's amazing. And, supportive of everything that I do and supportive of my career and you know all the things that I feel like can pile up and become so overwhelming and he constantly encourages me to like push forward and that's amazing very cool. yeah. so uh so tell us I mean you've got the you've got the husband you've got the kid what what other uh what other like amazing things have happened you know post sobriety or post clarity that's yeah, not post but you know post yeah. we'll call it yeah yeah <laughs> well, I mean, I just, I, I regularly feel like I'm living a life that I'm only able to live because of, you know, that intervention that I had with, you know, that last night of drinking and, and being able to get sober. And I, I mean, I just feel like everything I do is amazing because I just feel it's such a gift, like just working and having a clientele. I feel it's so amazing. Like those, all of the little things were such a, a struggle for me. Just my car was being repossessed before I got sober. I was getting evicted from my apartment. Paying bills was difficult. I didn't have a penny saved. Like, so all of those little things to me are, I feel like such a miracle. The fact that like I have a savings account because I'm not spending rec- recklessly and I pay my bills on time and I have health insurance. Like for me, it's all that little stuff that I I just feel like is such a miracle. As far as like the bigger stuff, I definitely feel like having the opportunity to um, be the brainchild behind the business of balayage um, was for me um, a a huge uh, divine creation. It was the idea came from, I was pregnant with my second child. I dropped my first son off at daycare. I went to a coffee shop and did like some meditation and did some writing and was kind of looking for what I felt like my next step should be. I had a full clientele behind the chair. I loved it, but I wanted a little bit more. 
So I started to do some writing, and um, next thing I know, I developed a balayage curriculum. And um, because I was pregnant and I was watching the business of being born a lot, I'm like, oh, the business of balayage. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Um, And I really felt like that was such a God-inspired thing because it was – I wanted to really take what I did in my service work and my 12 step program and like bring it to the industry and show people how to do the technique, but not only how to do the technique, incorporate it into their day-to-day business, show them how to thrive behind the chair, show them how to like tap into that creativity that a lot of us got in this industry for, but then lost it along the way because we're so busy and our clients are double booking and blah, blah, blah. So for that, um, I mean, that, business for me was a very God inspired idea and every move I made it was like through prayer and meditation and like how I was supposed to take this business to the next step to be of maximum service to those around me so it was really cool that's that, that's amazing actually you you mentioned a couple of times like through prayer and meditation are those are, are are those your kind of like go-to's or is that is that your spiritual journey or your spiritual side to it Yeah, so I I definitely um, have a regular prayer and meditation practice, um, which apparently I need to improve upon because my mother-in-law just gave me these meditation beads for my birthday. (laughs) You really should start meditating again. And I said, I do meditate, but clearly I need to meditate more. <laughs> um, but yeah, I prayer for me is like water. It's the first thing I do when I wake up. I ask my higher power to keep me sober, direct my thinking for the day. Um, I try to remember in the midst of the chaos of children to like ask for patience and guidance. This morning was not such a good example for that. I wanted to run away for like five years. <laughs> um, come back when they're like 10 and we can have a little fun. But um, but yeah, definitely prayer and meditation is the way I kind of maintain my, my spiritual development. Is that like you've mentioned like um you know your gratitude as well is that is that is that the moments when you uh when you reflect on that as well you know i I should do that more um I don't have like a regular gratitude practice. I do have those moments of deep gratitude. I like when I was drinking, I would just look around and I would just think, "Holy shit, is this my life like holy shit, how is this it? How can I not function?" How is everything so difficult? And then now for me, my moments of deep gratitude are, holy shit, is this my life? This is so amazing. So I don't have a regular, like, write out a gratitude practice. I do it periodically, but it's more um, tapping into, like, that sense of deep gratitude I have for the life that I'm able to live. We haven't, like, um, I, I've, I've seen people do it, and we haven't talked too much about it, but I, somebody... Gosh, and maybe you can help me out, but somebody posted um, on Inst- like we're all on the same Instagram, but somebody posted on Instagram about yeah. how they do like a gratitude diary and just throughout the day, they just, uh, they just write down, you know, what they're, what they're thankful for or, or where they're going to show great gratitude. Yeah, I love that. Um, for me, if I'm doing that, you well, I love the idea. I'm- I just can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't done it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I definitely, I have to get into like a severe amount of pain for me to do that kind of work. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to be pretty, you know, 
de- depressed or desperate to to do a, a gratitude list like that. But you know, I, I have done it and it works very well. And then life goes on and you feel good and you forget about it. And mm-hmm. but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't yeah, necessarily like like those kind of things. Like even with your spiritual practice or even with the gratitude and stuff. You know, I don't necessarily necessarily think that it's 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 a solution to life. But I think what it is, is, is it gives us something to hold on to. So we have, so when we are feeling low or something, it gives us something to grasp onto, you know, like, Oh, I've done this. I know how to get through this. And it just gives you like one more thing. Yeah. Just kind of building that muscle and that little, cause you know, I mean, let's be real. Life is hard. There's stuff that comes at us that is pretty unbearable. And it's so having that little bit of like buffer to kind of soften the blow of life is always a good thing. Right, exactly. Um, and I live in mantras, you know. <laughs> I have a mantra for everything. <laughs> totally in my head. Like, awesome. like, like if someone cuts yeah. me off on traffic, like I have a mantra, you know, or if, or if I hold the door oh. open for somebody and they don't say thank, thank you, you know, I have a mantra for that. Like, you know, I, I, like, I'm always, I always have this head game in my head. Okay, that's not why I opened the door. I didn't open the door for a thank you. I opened the door just to be a good, like, citizen of the world, you know. So it just kind of yeah. lets all that, like, that little stress uh, go away. It's like, I believe in keeping my barrel empty and I know like, you know, somebody else not saying thank you shouldn't be in my barrel, but you know, if I own it, it will be. Yeah. Try to have the spirit of yeah. uh, being not, a, not offended. You know what I mean? Too many people are yeah. easily offended. Well, we all are, you know, it's not even too many people. We yeah. can't even, all I'm saying, yeah, just try to have that spirit not to be offended. So you don't react. That's it. Yeah. Keep your barrel empty, bro. Keep that's your right. barrel empty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's yeah. true. I like that. So if you could give one advice to someone who is struggling with this, what would it be? So uh, I think my, my biggest is just to get honest with someone about how you're feeling and what your struggle is. I know when I opened up and got honest about what was going on and what I was really afraid of and um, what I was doing, my behavior, that was when my life started to change. And then I've just continued to have those people in my life that I can be honest with, you know, the stuff that nobody talks about. Like I have people in my life that I can talk to about that stuff, the fears, the anxiety, the stresses, the reactions to life, the, you know, the things that we react to and the ways that we behave that we aren't so proud of the stuff that we all do. But I think a lot of us feel shame and regret and we stuff it and we don't talk about it. So my biggest piece of advice is just to be honest and talk to somebody about what's going on. Do those do those same people that you talk to, do they also have permission to call you out on your bullshit? Yeah. Yeah, my husband being number one, he does not let me get away with anything. <laughs> and, and do you respect that enough to where it doesn't create like, you know, m- marital strife, I guess, you know, it's kind of hard to like remove the, you know, you have to just respect that. Okay, yeah. coming from a good place, not like whatever. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's definitely been a dance, you know, the last 12 years that we've been together of like how he approaches things and how I approach things. And, um, my biggest communication tool in my relationship with him or, you know, my sober friends or my work friends or any of my friends that I go on a deeper level with is Mm -hmm. it's a very simple question. And it's, do you want feedback on that? And they know that that if they say yes, they're 100% getting honest feedback. And then I know in the same respect, if I say yes, that I want feedback on that, I'm 100% getting feedback. Because there's sometimes where I don't want the feedback. Sometimes I don't want to be called out. I just want to vent and I need to kind of process. 
Like, I don't feel like I always need someone to call me out on my bullshit, right? Because like, I'm going to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, I've done this kind of same pattern enough to look at, dig deep, look at my part, look at where I can change, look at all these things to where um, it becomes less productive if someone's like, you did this, and you did that, and you did this. It's more productive if people are like, hey, do you want some feedback? You know, this is what I see from an outside perspective. Does that make sense? It completely makes sense. And like, I mean, the 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 I, I usually set that up with like, do you want me to be honest or, or do you want to hear the truth? Yeah. But I love yours because yours is so much less aggressive than like, do you want me to be honest? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> totally. I'm, I'm totally stealing this because I've been searching for this. Um, I've been searching for this sentence. So I, I love this. It, it's And it's okay. It's okay if you say no. You know what I mean? And like, it's okay. I've heard no a lot. I'm yeah. very direct. I'm super honest. And so the people around me know that if they want my feedback, they're going to, they're going to get it. And, and so no, is great. I'm fine. I can totally accept that. I don't, I'm not the end all be all. I don't think my feedback is going to change your life or change the way you think about things. So if you're not available for it or ready for it at that time, like I, I totally get it. I get, I love, love, love that. That's really, really great. And, and by setting that up, you're also, you know, um, your feedback is going to be constructive or it's going to be from love. It's not going to be judgmental, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, lo- I love that sentence. That's amazing. Cool. Cool. Well, well I got and- a little nugget from you too. So thank you. <laughs> the mantras. I like that. Oh, the mantras. You like that? <laughs> we'll talk more yeah. about that off air, <laughs> but um, yeah, dude, just thank you, man. Thank you for giving us, uh, giving us your time and um, your story. Yeah. Your story. No doubt. I mean, uh, thank you very much we're just uh we're humbled and 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 again um like we said in the opening i hopefully these conversations you know well these conversations definitely aren't for everybody but hopefully they're for somebody and um and we hope that uh that somebody uh can uh can get something out of this so again miss amber o'hare thank you very very much for joining us on your day off thank you guys Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease.